Hello, everyone. And thank you to Jack for uh, sharing the scriptures. This is from Matthew's first chapter, the telling of the angel that came to Joseph. Isn't Joseph's story often how life works? In this sense, I mean, we, we've all been in those moments, right? When, well, not with angels, but we've all been in those moments when we're questioning, what am I supposed to do next? What do I do now? And sometimes, sometimes we have a plan and something like an angel comes along and changes those plans. So how do I know if what I'm doing is right? I mean, I think it's right, but is it right? You know what I mean by is it right? You know, today in COVID world, it seems there is a decision to be made each week. It almost seems like we're making decisions every day. And with as limited information as we may have, we're having to make the most informed decision, and then we have to step into the unknown. And that seems the way life goes, that each decision we make impacts the next decision that we make, and it leads to more decisions, and it leads to more unknown. It seems to be the way life works. I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you parts of the story throughout the message about a guy named John Newton. Uh, John was born in the early 18th century. His mother died when he was seven years old. And at, his, at 11 years old, his father made him a sailor on his ship. I think it might have been bring your son to work day uh, or something like that. But he brought his 11-year-old son to be a sailor on his ship. And his father's decision, that decision that his father made to bring John onto this ship led to a cascading life of darkness for him. His life really was filled with evil. Uh, at one point, someone described him in their journal and they said that he had an unsettled behavior and impatience of restraint, uh, really to, to put that into uh, more uh, succinct language. He liked to fight. John liked to fight. He lived in darkness and indecency, even to the point where at one point he swore that he had denounced any faith that he may have had in God. Eventually, John at a young age is drafted into the British, Arm, uh, British Navy, excuse me, where he became a deserter and was caught and arrested and put into prison. And we're going to come back to John's story in just a little bit. I want to jump back to the Mary and Joseph story. And while Mary was dealing with her own angel visit, which uh, Pastor Jeff shared last week, and if you missed it last week, I want to encourage you to, to jump onto YouTube. And you can, uh, at YouTube, if you don't already follow our page on YouTube, you can search Hope Church, Voorhees, New Jersey, and you'll find last week's message as well as all the other messages uh, as far back as at least the past year. So while Mary was dealing with her angel, which Jeff mentioned last week, Joseph is having an experience of his own. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, Matthew tells us, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Now this was hugely controversial in the first century. Becoming pregnant during the engagement. I mean, the engagement was a legal and binding contract, and this was a life-altering moment. And so Joseph has a decision. 
and he wanted to do the right thing. His fiance had become pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the father. And so the religious law had strict penalties for an unfaithful woman in the first century. But Joseph wanted to go even beyond the letter of the law. He wanted to choose a more gentle approach and what he felt a more right decision. So he planned to dissolve the engagement quietly. Uh, It would protect Mary, and he would still be right with the law. But then he had a dream. And in that dream, an angel spoke to him, and it changed his mind. An angel told him to go forward with the marriage. The angel said, do not be afraid. Interesting, the angel knew there was fear involved in this. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So now in this experience that Joseph has, he has to make a right decision. A right decision needs to be made. Does he remain righteous and go by the book, the religious code, and divorce her quietly? He would be righteous if he did that. And then he can go on with his life. If he does it quietly, he's already going above and beyond anything that would be expected of him. And it would be right. Or does he choose to listen to an angel? Does he choose to embrace a miracle and go on this adventure with Mary and risking scandal? And simply put, Joseph's decision is Joseph chooses to pivot in the face of fear, in the face of scandal and uncertainty. He says yes. He says yes to God. He says yes to Mary. He even says yes to the scandal that he knows those around may be questioning his decision. Now, Joseph's story is the story of not doing what is right but was a right decision. Let me unpack that. But it's really the story of not doing what is right, but was a right decision. See, by divorcing Mary, he would have been right. Then this angel comes along and says, there's a more right thing to do. And this more right thing to do, it won't seem right. And others won't see it as right but it is most right. And so in a sense, the angel was reorienting his understanding, reorienting the way he thought about what was right, and was changing his belief on what's possible with God. And here's what I think would be a takeaway for you today. I think God's work, or God works best God works best in us when we allow God to redefine and stretch our understanding of what is right. God works best in us when we allow God to redefine and stretch our understanding of what is right. Let me give you an example of what I mean by redefining and stretching. So prior to 2019, if someone had asked me, 
Is it okay, or do you count if you worship at church behind a computer screen or on a TV? And before 2020, I would have said, rightly, no. No. And I would have been wrong. Since COVID, our world has been stretched. And our understanding has been redefined. And over a year and almost two years now, my understanding has stretched and redefined of what it means for a church to gather, of what it means for the community of faith to be the community of faith, and that we can gather in all of our spaces and worship together. Of course it counts. And this experience has helped us as a church redefine and stretch how we view the church and how the church functions. And so we began asking questions like, with this new reality, what are the possibilities now? What does it mean to be one church with two expressions? What will it look like for a church to be hybrid when the whole world has gone hybrid? Exciting things to ask. And it's going to cause our minds to be stretched and redefine how we think. God does his best work in us when we allow God to redefine and stretch our understanding. And experience is what leads us to that change. See, God uses the journeys that we're on and God uses the experiences of life to redefine and stretch us. And you can see that throughout Scripture. A few months ago, Pastor Jeff was preaching the story from Luke chapter 15 where Jesus tells of the lost son or the prodigal son. And, and he mentioned in that message that it's the, really the prodigal father and that the, that the father is the one that was waiting for the son to return. And you can listen to that message by going to YouTube if you would like to. It's there. I know it is. And uh, uh, in that message, if you missed it, uh, uh, the, it's the story of this son who chooses to take his inheritance while his father is still alive and he runs off and spends it in parties and does all those things and runs out of money and he finds himself lost. He finds himself without a home. He finds himself without a family. He finds himself with no one. And Jesus, as he's telling this story, says that the son came to his senses. He came to his senses. He had an updated understanding. He was redefining what he believed was right. He was having a stretching of his understanding. And where was he when he came to his senses? He was in the midst of an experience. He was lost. And he was at the bottom. And he was so hungry that pig food seemed a viable option. And Jesus says, in that moment, he came to his senses. That the son's experience opened his eyes to new possibilities. That reconciliation with his family is on the horizon if he wants it. That there are possibilities he hasn't seen. Do you remember John Newton, the boy sailor who ended up in prison? After his arrest and after his imprisonment, he ended up as a sailor on a slave ship. 
And he was so good at that evil business that he was promoted to commanding a slave ship. And then promotion after promotion until he became the manager of a slave warehouse. He had become the worst of men, selling others into slavery. But John Newton had an experience. He was on one of his ships and he was caught in a storm and he was down below deck when something hit the hull of the ship and the ship began to take on water. And he was sure the ship was sinking and he was going to die and he prayed one of those prayers, those foxhole type prayers where he says, God, if you'll save me from this. And John writes in his diary that somehow some of the cargo shifted and as it shifted, it pressed up against the hull of the ship and the leaking stopped and the ship was saved and he was saved and Newton says that it was a sign from God and he marked it as his conversion to Christianity. He had an experience in a storm that led to a decision to follow Jesus. Soon after, he wrote these words. I am not what I ought to be. How true would that be, right? I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. He discovered that the grace of God is more expansive than could ever be imagined, even for a slave trader, even available to a slave trader. He discovered that God's grace is more forgiving than he ever imagined, that no one is too far from God's forgiveness. And he discovered that God's grace is greater and more engaging than he ever imagined was possible in life. That even someone who had denounced God and their faith can still find reconcil reconciliation with God. I've said it similarly the whole time I've been here and in my whole time in ministry, that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought about God in the past, God still will forgive you. The grace of God is open and free, and God's grace wants to expand. It wants to redefine our understanding. But here's what's so true about that. Reorienting can be unsettling. Stretching what we once believed to a new belief can be scary. I mean, remember, the angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid. Because redefining what we believe can be scary business. Stretching what we once thought was true into a new truth a greater truth is overwhelming. To change our hearts, to expand our thinking, to embrace the expansiveness of God's grace for all of humanity. See, Joseph knew. He knew who and what was right. 
until he discovered that his right wasn't right enough. And so really the question I want us to consider today is this. Is God wanting to lead you? Is God wanting to lead me out of our comfort zones to a more right understanding, a more right understanding? See, here's a truth that I want you to hear. It's so important. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. Isn't that good? God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you, but he wants me. He wants you. See, to be needed is one thing, but to be wanted, that is something far more meaningful. And why does God want us on this journey? Why does God choose to have people be a part of this church experience and create the church that would then communicate to the world about salvation. It certainly seems like God could do that without us, but God wants us to join in it with him because he wants us to share it with him so that we can grow in the experience. And it might be that we discover that God's grace is greater than we ever imagined. Because God wants you. And that might be the greatest thing you hear today. That God doesn't need you, but he wants you. And he may want to stretch your understanding. Or maybe you need to have your idea of grace updated. Now I'm going to move from preaching to meddling here. If you have a good idea of who is right and who is wrong, or if you know who's going to heaven and who is not, maybe you need to have your idea of grace updated and expanded. Anne Lamott famously said this one time. She said, you can safely assume you created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. Maybe God is challenging you to pivot away from what you traditionally believed toward another idea. What if? What if what you thought was right is not nearly right enough? And what if there is a new understanding of right that we need to embrace? Some members of the band are going to come forward. They're going to sing a song, and I'm not done yet. I just want to give them a chance to come up, but I want us to have this time of reflection and consider the journey that we're on. And maybe during, while they're singing, you could ask yourself, do I need my understanding of God's stretch? Do I need my idea of grace expanded? Do I need to learn to love those loved by God do I need to know that I am loved and wanted by God? Now, John Newton, after his uh, near-death experience and decision to follow Jesus, did not radically change his life all at once. It took him quite some time. But John's journey from a slave trader ended in that the next step for him was he became a pastor. And after John Newton became a pastor, he then became an activist and an abolitionist in England to end the slave trade. 
His life went from slave trader to abolitionist. Decades later, when Jesus had fully taken over his heart, he wrote the lyrics to the song Amazing Grace. Maybe the most famous church hymn ever written. Now, he lived well into his 80s, and near the end of his life, he said this. He said, when I was young, I was sure of many things. Can we so say an amen to that? When we were young, (laughs) I was so sure of many things. Now there are only two things of which I am sure. You got to love when someone in their 80s can say it's down to two things. One is that I am a miserable sinner. And the other, that Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. He then ends and says, he is well taught who learns these two lessons. You know, during this season, like Joseph, God may be wanting to lead you out of your comfort zone. Now, it may not involve a dream with an angel present, and it may not lead to a ship sinking in a storm. But I know what it will lead to. It will lead to an expanding and greater understanding of God's grace. And the question is, are you willing to put yourself in a place where God can stretch you? And so maybe, maybe you need to volunteer at the food pantry. You need to see people in need firsthand. Not to hear about it, but to see it. Maybe you need to join a small group and explore faith. Take that next step. Maybe you need to volunteer to serve on Sunday mornings with the kids. Or serve in the lobby greeting people. Just to get outside yourself. Or maybe you need to offer a prayer of forgiveness. Or give forgiveness to someone else. So as the song is sung, I'd encourage you, you can reflect on that. If you want to sing along, that's great. If you just want to sit in your seat, that's terrific too. If you want to stand, but I encourage you, please hear these words written by the man who went from slave trader to abolitionist because of his experience with Christ and finding grace, the expansive, never-ending grace of God.